0: A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns.
1: If you're resentful about something, it basically reveals two things. It either means that you're immature and you should stop whining and get on with things. You know, someone's asked, this often happens with adolescents who are asked, say, by their mother to clean up their room. They're all resentful about it. It's like, shut up and clean up your room. You know, it's, it's not that much to ask. So that can be a gateway into the observation of your own immaturity. Or, it's possible that you're resentful because people really have been poking at you too much and taking and, and taking shot, cheap shots at you and oppressing you. But what that means is that you've got some things to say that you haven't been willing to say or don't know how to say. Right? You can't stand up for yourself properly. And in order to do that, you have to grow some teeth and be willing to use them. And again, that's something that might violate your morality because you might say, well, I shouldn't be able to bite people. And the thing is, yes, you should be able to bite people hard. And if you're able to bite them, then generally you don't have to. But they need to know that you can because otherwise Especially people who are badly socialized, they'll just keep encroaching on you and encroaching on you and encroaching on you and encroaching on you, encroaching on you until you, you put up a wall. Like someone who's really well put together won't do that, you know, because they're sophisticated. But.
0: Welcome in. You are listening to another episode of keepthechange.co.nz's Money Mail. We're starting off today a little bit of Jordan Peterson. Now, this person uh, is very, very insightful and interesting to uh, a number of people, but. Also has the other half, the other side, where people don't like him because he's too confronting or it challenges the way that you think and um, there there are some disagreements in the way he views what's happening in the world at the moment with how uh, a lot of people want the world to be going. And I think it's another example of uh, finding someone who's obviously very, very talented and smart and has a huge... Amount of knowledge, but dismissing someone purely because it's confronting what they say. And that is why I like dialing into a bit of Jordan Peterson to find out what his well researched and studied views and ideas are on things to challenge the way that I may think about those same things. And there's some really, really helpful content that he has. He's got a huge YouTube following and uh, di- uh, library of information due to putting online the lectures that he has uh, given over the years and he's obviously been interviewed a, a number of times by different agencies around the world and whatnot as well. So give him a search if you haven't, uh, it's more sort of life advice as such and how to deal with different things that we all go through and um, basically you can you could just about find on any sort of topic or emotion or Situation, you could find clinical insight into how potentially you could address that. So, well worth having a look into if um, you know you've got some things that you're trying to figure out, and don't just want to ask your mates and want to uh, get somebody with some credibility having a look over it. But saying that, I know there'll be some people listening to this just completely disagree with him and completely don't like him, and that's fine. You know, we're all got the ability now to um, you know find information we want on the internet but the danger of not being able to see both sides to something is that we become like the people that we don't like and that we are so one-sided and can't stand a conversation or to have our ideas challenged. There we go, we're still obviously in lockdown uh, level three in Auckland here so uh, giving you an insight into some of the things that I've got saved on my video bank that I tune into every now and then and just get my my thinking challenged and look at the world in different ways and it helps me shape some of the things that I do. So let's get into this week, we've got two weeks to sort of cover in one because earlier in the week I sent out an email uh, regarding a situation in China and this was on Tuesday so I'm going to cover both emails, (coughs) excuse me, as sort of one But we'll start with Friday and then we'll go back to what we were talking about on the Tuesday. So Friday's email, and that was email number 72 for Keep the Change Money Mail, how big shocks sneak up on us. Well it certainly was a rocky start to week, but we seem to have come to some form of calm now. There were huge concerns that an ever grand property bust in China could cause a worldwide ripple impacting all markets. This has been brewing for months, and really for those researching close enough, it's actually been brewing for years. These guys are just like you and I. They have debts, and they have a time frame for when they need to repay them. They admitted last week that they cannot sell off enough assets quickly, enough to repay their debts. At the moment, it looks like they've been able to delay the crisis with an announcement that they can meet their immediate interest payment obligations. Even if the worldwide crisis has been delayed or avoided, people still do get burned, like the shareholders, for instance, and we'll touch on how much in a second. There is still a concern of the overall slowdown of China. It's pretty important to us down under, as China accounts for roughly 30% of our New Zealand exports, and for Australia, 40% of their exports. So New Zealanders sell 30% of our things that we create as a nation over to China, and for Australia, it's 40%. So that's a, that's a big percentage to be exposed to one, one nation. Where do you think 90% of those logs on trucks are going when you're stuck behind them in the car, freaking out that they're going to fall off the back? I'm sure we've had those moments where we're driving behind a logging truck thinking, shit, they better not fall off the back here, otherwise it's going to be a big problem. 90% of those logs are off on their way to China, and they're the ones buying them, and they're turning them into timber that they're then building houses with, and also you know, other things as well. But 90% of logs are headed for China. Of course, decisions get made based on contagion, which we spoke about on Tuesday as well. As an example, we saw one of our Kiwi property companies postponing a $250 million capital raise for office buildings due to fears of Evergrande's contagion. I got a message from a reader who had been following the Evergrande saga for weeks, and they were nervous about it, causing a big hit to their KiwiSaver. They decided to move their KiwiSaver out of the aggressive fund it was sitting in, with a lot of worldwide exposure and put it into cash with effectively zero risk. I just want to give you two examples here as I talk through this one because I had two questions. One person said to me, what do you mean by this, about moving your KiwiSaver to cash? Well, at any one time, your KiwiSaver is sitting in a portfolio. That portfolio is made up of uh, an investment direction that suits your risk. So say, you know people talk often about, the aggressive fund or the conservative fund, the balance fund, all those types of things, basically those funds are set up so that they anticipate, okay, we may have market crashes, we may have downturns, we may have shocks that that hit the financial markets, but this investor is investing aggressively over a long period of time because they can weather the storm should that happen. Versus someone that's maybe in a conservative fund or a cash fund who they are wanting to use the money in their KiwiSaver pretty soon to buy a home, for instance, or they're about to retire, you're not going to want to be exposed to any risk because you're not going to want to run the risk that your KiwiSaver gets thrashed 20-30% overnight because some big economic or political or environmental crisis hits the world and bang, the markets react to that. So... A good example recently was obviously when the, the big virus first became known to New Zealand. You know, 30% of our share market was wiped out. 50% even, I think, for some stocks. If you were in KiwiSaver exposed to those and you were about to use that money to buy a home or to retire and you didn't understand that concept and you were just sitting in the, one of those aggressive funds and you're about to withdraw that day, well, you go to withdraw and you've only got half the money you did the day before and you're going, what the hell is going on here? So often... What people will do is as they get closer to the event that's going to require them to get access to that money is they will change their uh, investment risk appetite to be a lot lower because they want to avoid the likelihood of getting hit by one of those uh, events that's then going to impact their investment portfolio. Now the other question I had was uh, someone emailing sort of freaking out saying oh you know I, I, I'm i going to use my KiwiSaver for for a home Like, what should I be doing and I said look I'll copy in Adam from Compound Wealth who's a specialist for KiwiSaver perhaps have a chat to him because it really depends you know how far away it is that you're going to be buying that home and you know all, all these different things which you're best to speak to a uh, financial advisor and get some advice around it but basically this person wasn't buying a home for two years so I you know, they're probably freaking out um, in advance, you know, too too early almost. But it's now good that they've been made aware that, okay, there's something I need to be thinking about. Should I be wanting to withdraw my money out of KiwiSaver to buy a home? So that's perhaps one more person educated. So back to our friend who emailed in and said that they were going to move their KiwiSaver uh, out of the aggressive fund and into cash weeks ago. I've said, why were they doing this? Surely they aren't trying to day trade their own retirement balance. Well, thankfully they aren't. They're trying to protect a deposit for a house. This person will soon be withdrawing from their KiwiSaver to buy a property and no doubt they've done their calculations on withdrawing X amount. If a worldwide sell-off comes and wipes out 20% of that, well then they've got to find another 20% elsewhere, don't they? This is why I continue to remind you that you need financial goals and your action needs to map back towards achieving them. If you're soon looking at buying a home, or a house, same sort of thing, and using your KiwiSaver, you'd want to be more alert to the risk of your portfolio compared to someone who doesn't need their KiwiSaver for 30 years, and that's just as evidenced by a couple of those examples I am just giving. This is often how these big shocks sneak up on us. We aren't aware to the fact that risk is just around the corner. We're busy doing our day-to-day lives, and all of a sudden it seems to just come out of nowhere. If we take it to a micro example, a simple shock dentist bill can cause a money crisis and ripple through your personal situation, stress levels, and short-term decision-making. Better to be prepared for something like this, so that the crisis doesn't feel as impactful when it arrives. So, do you have your emergency savings sorted? It's really good, this large example worldwide, to bring back to our level, into our context, and say, well, this is no different to us turning up to a doctor's appointment, a dentist appointment, and then saying, hey, You've got XYZ to deal with and it's gonna cost three thousand dollars. And that's thirty percent of your savings, for instance, or the savings that you've got set aside to build a house and all of a sudden or do some renovations and you're going, Wow, well, you know, I've just had a thirty percent of my savings have just been wiped out by a dentist bill that I that I hadn't planned for. That's why it's so important to try and think ahead to the risk that you could have and have emergency funds and we've touched on this before so that you can then lean on those and they're viewed as separate to the other goals you have so that they don't slow those goals down from happening. And so few people do this and you know, given that we've had credit that we can lean on and, and end up just getting bigger credit card balances and um, you know, putting a, a dentist bill on a Q card and all sorts of these types of things, we've found creative solutions to these problems but it ends up racking up debt for us. But... You know, if you haven't thought about putting some emergency savings aside, then go back and review some of the earlier material. I strongly suggest that you do it. It will give you a different level of confidence with your money and you will be able to deal with crises, 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 whatever the word is, uh, as they pop up and not be as impacted by them because they don't blindside you as much because in some ways you're more prepared. Let's get back to Tuesday's topic of educating ourselves. I invest across five different investment platforms, and I didn't see communication from any of those platforms about Evergrande, Evergrande, until one finally got something out on Tuesday night. So it was the night after I, well, the night of that I'd sent the email. Meanwhile, this situation had been bubbling for weeks. Then I got something from another one on the second, oh, on the Friday. So basically, like the crisis was just about over by that stage, or had been averted as such. Um, and these financial institutions and investment platforms are only just getting content out about it. (coughs) Excuse me. So remember, these platforms are great, and they make it really easy to invest, but they aren't optimised to provide you with education and advice. They're optimised to build revenue. What that means is that with most providers for investment advice or for some form of sheer movement, so whether you're buying shares or someone is helping you invest it, their revenue is determined by either you buying and selling or them having your funds under management and them getting a portion of that. So as you can see, why would these people be, why would they be incentivized or optimised to give you up to date, accurate market information around the clock? and give you the heads up on things. It's not going to make them money. It's not going to be a good use of their time and resources compared to getting out and getting you to invest via their platform or let them manage your money, those types of things. And that's been very critical, but it's just an observation that I have made. And as more of us have become investors through shares and things like that, it's so easy to put your money in, and we've made that really easy, that's great, but it's hard to know what to do, what to do when the shit hits the fan or things aren't going the way that we thought they were going to go. So really it's another reminder that education is still down to us because you know, this situation in China had been brewing for, for years, months and, and really heating up over the last few weeks. And, and we weren't even talking about it here in New Zealand. We weren't even covering it. You, you had no idea it was happening for most people. It wasn't in our news media because that's just how we roll. And we'll go back to Tuesday's email in a second and sort of see why that might be happening. Uh, but just remember that although these platforms are great to invest through and get you, you know, moving money across and taking a cut of what you're investing, they're not optimized to provide you with education and advice. So you do need to surround yourself with smart people and take education as your own responsibility. This is part of the reason that the traditional finance space has been disrupted and everyday investors are accessing their financial information increasingly via smart internet channels and reputable experts from all over the world. Your financial future will still remain your responsibility. The information and access is there for all of us now, not just for those with millions tied up in investment accounts. Eyes open, Luke. PSU are one of 4,624 recipients. Did you know Evergrande's share share price in Hong Kong dropped by 90% since July 20. So if you were an investor in them and you were holding since July 2020, your 100 bucks would be worth about $10. You'd be pretty gutted, wouldn't you? So people still do get burnt in these situations, even if we may have avoided a, a collapse of some sort of financial event worldwide. And what I was just finishing there is that, you know, this financial space has completely changed now where we all have the power to access this sort of information because it is available online and there's smart people getting interviewed on YouTube and through podcasts and all these types of things. And back in the day, it was only the big boys club and the big girls club who had had millions of dollars of funds under management and they would have access to smart financial advice. Well, the game's kind of changing and we're all turning up to the table with smaller amounts to invest but increasingly hungrier younger people want information and they're going to go and find it where they can and if they're hungry enough they can get as much of that information and then figure out how to make decisions. As an example if you look at the cryptocurrency space if you just look at bitcoin as one some people completely are on board and are just all in on it, and they they just think it's the biggest opportunity of a lifetime. Then there's people that just think, this is a scam, just stay away from it, it's an absolute gamble, it's a risk, uh, it's a Ponzi scheme, all these types of things. And then you've got some of the world's smartest investors coming to the table saying, hey, I have a research team, we've spent hundreds, thousands of hours researching this, and here's our opinion on it you should probably hold between one and three or they're not telling you what you should do, they're saying we for our investors are now holding between one and 3% of our investment portfolios in Bitcoin as a store of wealth for instance. So along that whole scale, you've got differing levels of opinion right from people who are all in through to people who are completely, nah, turn their back, no way, no way am I being a part of this and completely sceptic. Now let's say that those people that have gone all in are completely right and this does end up being something that's around for hundreds of thousands of years and increases in value massively. The complacency of the people at the other end is going to be for the advantage of the people who have been willing to take a risk, do the study, get educated to the point where they go, yep, I'm happy to put my money into this and I've invested what I can afford to lose or whatever is that they've decided to make a decision on, versus the complacency of the people that have just gone, nah, looks like a scam to me, forget about it, I don't want to know anything about it. That complacency actually creates advantage for people that do decide, okay, I want to be a part of this, and I'm going to move towards it. However, if we look at it the other way, and all these people are distracted by this new shiny thing in Bitcoin, and they are putting all their time and energy over there, but meanwhile everybody on the other end is just chipping away and still buying some stocks and whatnot and then the whole crypto and bitcoin thing collapses well a lot of people are going to get burnt and perhaps they're the complacent ones when they sit there and, and then they don't have any money left at the end of that or they've risked time money and they are you know further behind where those other people are now at the other end of the spectrum who have been buying interest bonds and property and all the safe things that that we all do so Complacency is a something we should all be taking into account all the time and going what areas of my life am I becoming complacent in and then maybe looking at an industry for instance and go what, what industry is becoming complacent and what, what could be coming for them because everything is always evolving in this world and innovating and if you can spot complacency in a market and then understand that someone is trading off of that and using that to their advantage, for instance, then you may want to invest in a business or a company that is using someone else's complacency to their advantage. Well, there is the Friday email. We're just going to go back to Tuesday now and take a very quick look at the email that went out. And it was more of a a bit of a heads up because I knew that this was going to get louder and I wanted you lot to be aware, and I actually, if I'm completely honest, I felt a bit bad, because I had been looking at this for a while, and I thought, oh, I should probably send something to the Keep the Change readers about this, just so they know that it's happening, and I'd sort of, I'd already drafted the Friday before's email, and so I punched that out, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll do something on the weekend, I thought, oh, you're not going to want to get another email like, a couple of days later, um, and then I was thinking about, on the, I was actually thinking about selling some shares on the Monday, and then I just got busy doing my stuff, and then Tuesday I got up and I talked to someone else about it again, I was like fuck, I need to get on my keyboard and actually just punch this out, so that's what went out and basically it was a bit of a one-off email with a bit of warning and hopefully it wasn't going to be needed but like I said I wanted the readers to keep the change to be awake because the problem with New Zealand is we get so caught up in our own shit that we forget to see what is happening around the world and that's evident at the moment, we're just so... You know, eyes down, all about our virus stuff and our vaccine rates, and opening the borders, and all this shit. And we have got no idea what's actually happening around the world. You know, I ask anyone in the education space, for instance, weeks ago. I said, "Hey, what's going to happen when the kids aren't vaccinated? What's your school doing about that? If 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 everyone's vaccinated, say just as of tomorrow, what the, what's going to happen with the kids? What's going to happen if a kid gets uh, the virus at school? What's the school's policy?" Oh. Oh no, idea. I haven't thought about that. I'm like, well, here's what's happening across three different countries around the world, and it's all just common stuff. But we just get so bogged down in what's happening for us that we don't look further afield when we are when we're in our own sort of bubble and crisis of um, noise that we forget to pull ourselves out from it and just think, okay, what's actually happening around the rest of the world, and in the financial space is a, a good example where China, one of the world's biggest property developers, Evergrande, were um, on the brink of a collapse. And of course that doesn't sound good, they've got obligations of more than $300 billion to creditors and, and businesses, and they owe more than our whole country does. So that could be your first wake-up call as to how small New Zealand really is when it comes to economic sizes and numbers. What's the big problem with that? Well, we end up thing we end up with a thing called contagion where fear spreads and people start to sell off shares related to that potential failure. So just like me on the Monday thinking, wonder if I should actually sell some of these shares. Well, is this just the tip of the iceberg? Banks are exposed, insurers are exposed, suppliers to the property sector are exposed. You know, uh, we just looked at New Zealand logs, for instance, iron ore and and all these materials that get used to build a home. If a, the biggest property developer goes under, you know, that's going to slow down the demand for all of those those types of raw materials. The big question was going to be whether the government stepped in to bail this out or whether they'll let it fail and currently as of the Tuesday the markets were betting that um, you know the business is going to go down but since then there's been some form of reprieve for the company but this is going to go on for quite a while. And over the last week or so I had been asking you know New Zealand business owners, well educated friends and financial connections about this situation nearly every one of them said to me like what are you talking about? And I would send them some information and they were sort of like, oh, holy shit, this is pretty ma- major. Now, it was only just starting to come out down here in New Zealand of our mainstream media copying and pasting some of the international articles that are now you know, weeks old realistically and they can't really be considered a heads up because most of it sort of played out. And, you know, I did think about selling some shares and the reason I didn't is that realistically, like I pull myself back to my overall strategy and it's that I'm investing for the long-term and I've still got a good few market crashes and recessions to roll through in my lifetime, that's for sure. I mean, all going well, of course, but that's just part of investing, right? Putting on a life jacket, getting smashed by the storm and waiting for karma seas to turn up. Yesterday, on Monday, on the Monday, late yesterday, at the time of writing this, it was the Monday night, I checked a few of my shares and saw the decline across the board and thought, here we go. As an example, my my favourites, Heartland. They're at $2.39 halfway through Monday by... Uh, Tuesday, uh, Monday night. By the time the market closed, they'd been crunched late two dollars twenty nine. So on Friday night, whilst most of you non-Aucklanders were fired up for some level two hospitality, I was watching the Big Short to get myself ready for what could be a hideous crash. You might want to go and check out the movie The Big Short. It is technical teaching of the huge collapse of the real estate market in the USA put into plain English. Buckle up. In times like these, I try to remember that there is always someone with way more at risk than um, way more at stake than me. There's someone I can go to and learn from via YouTube, etc. Don't just rely on New Zealand for your financial news. You'll only end up learning about property because it's all our economy is built on. You need to go looking for further education. I only learnt about this situation in China because I went looking. If you're looking at your shares, crypto, or KiwiSaver this week, it could be all over the show, and this is probably why. It's going to be an interesting week. Try not to do anything too rash. So two things there. The big short, if you haven't watched that movie really good movie to go and get some understanding, it's based on a true story of someone who shorted the market, what they're doing is they're investing and betting that a market's going to collapse, he's basically one of the only people in America who was betting on the collapse of the housing market and nailed it, basically, and uh, there was risk, or there was worry that what was happening in China recently over these last couple of weeks could be a similar event to what happened in America with the collapse of some of their banks. But then if you go on YouTube, for instance, you can go and find the people that you really, really trust. So for me, there's uh, Muhammad al erian I enjoy researching his opinion. And Ray Dalio, both very, very smart people, way smarter than I, way more resources than me, way bigger teams of uh, researchers, and this is what they do for a living and for a life. And you can go and get their thoughts on these situations if they've been interviewed by the news or if they're putting out their own content. And that is the beauty of the world that we live in these days. You can pick people who you really admire and that you're willing to put some of your trust into. And you can go and get their opinion on these types of things. Ray Dalio, towards the end of the week, was very clear to say, look, this isn't going to be a collapse like we had in the US. Chill out, but here is what is going on. And you know, that's 30 minutes of education that can really straighten you out or get further researched opinion on something that is going on in the world. So it's there for us if we want to go and find it. Of course, sometimes it just takes that time to figure out, okay, who are the people that I want to uh, research? And of course, you may not even care and you may not want to. And that, you know, that's all good as well. Perhaps just keep your head down and just uh, continue to work towards your long-term goals. But if you do want something to watch and you like the geeky side of finances and economics and stuff, even if you don't you know, you'll be able to sit through this a good couple of hours. They put it into plain English and show you exactly how the housing market collapsed in the US and how that burnt a lot of people. And who knows, maybe we could see that one day in New Zealand. You'd hope not. You'd hope that uh, that's not what's going to happen. Completely different scenario to what happened in America when it did happen. But, you know, it will it will raise some alarms for you where you say, oh, OK, that's kind of, you know, that's sort of, some of those things are happening here. So perhaps go and check that out. It is good viewing and you'll definitely learn something. Uh, That has been week number 71 and 72 effectively put into one podcast for you. I hope your Saver and your shares didn't get too beat up by the situation over there in China but some really good lessons in there. Remember how small we actually are as a nation and you know if something major happens around the world usually we get impacted pretty heavily and we need to be prepared for that and accept that when that does happen because we're going to see more and more of that in our lifetime, in these crazy times that we're in, especially with how much debt there is in the system, which is then making problems even bigger when they do start to uh, go downhill. All right, we'll see you in the next week, which will be week number 73. Be good, keep learning. Just
1: because you can't do any damage doesn't mean you're moral. It just means you don't have the capability for mayhem, and that makes you push over. I mean, the Yogi stuff is very, very dark, you know. It's very dark because his notion of what constitutes a moral human being is much different from the typical view. He really thinks you get that horrible side of yourself integrated so it's up there where you can use it. Cuz otherwise you're you're dangerous. You can't say no to people and you'll go along with the crowd and then if the crowd does something particularly pathological which it's liable to do, you won't be able to resist it. You won't have the strength of character. And so then you'll fall prey to to crowd pathology and it'll be because you're too agreeable with a you know with a shadow resentful side that the crowd and its murderous intent is going to act out.